The kids learned so much this week. I think you can tell earlier as Kristen, as they were talking as the youth, I think you've heard our motto more than one time. The motto for Vacation Bible School this week was game on. And so we talked about how children first could come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And then once they're born into that relationship with Jesus Christ, we also were able to talk with them now about what it meant to be a Christ follower. And, you know, I just think Vacation Bible School is a great opportunity to invest in the lives of children. And I can't think of a greater investment than to invest by sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with a child and then helping a child to grow in their relationship with the Lord. I think that is so very important. They learned a lot this week. I'm not going to go through all of the information that they learned, but they were able to study a number of different stories out of God's Word. One day they studied about that old guy named Lazarus. Do you remember him? The one Jesus Christ called back from the grave. And through that story, they learned that Jesus offers everyone hope. A true living hope, a lasting hope, not the kind of hope that we think about when we think about wishful thinking, but a hope that is rooted and grounded in the assurance that God will keep what He promises in His Word. And for that, it was really good. They learned about that story. We learned another story. We learned about Doubting Thomas. You know, Doubting Thomas was one of the uh, apostles of Jesus Christ, Uh, but he doubted whether Jesus Christ really rose from the grave or not. You remember that guy? I don't know about you, but there's times in life I feel a whole lot like him. Uh, There's times I doubt and I struggle with unbelief, Uh, and I think we all do at times as part of our human nature. But the great thing they learned in that story was how Jesus moved Thomas from unbelief to belief. That's a great story. But it's the story, the story I want us to look at this morning is the story that they learned on the first day. It's a story that Jesus Christ told in Luke, the 15th chapter. If you have your Bibles there, I want to read this story to you in just a moment. Really, it is what is referred to as a parable. A parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And through each parable, what Jesus Christ is doing is trying to give his followers a very important spiritual truth. This story, the one we're going to look at in Luke, the 15th chapter, is the first of three stories that Jesus Christ uh, told in succession. The last story is about a man who was lost, but he got found. It's the story of the prodigal son. He had strayed from his father, but eventually he came to his senses and he came home. And the father was waiting for him, and in his grace and his mercy and in his love, he received him back, even though he had turned his back on his father at one time. You know, we're all like that at some point in time in our life. At some point, we've all turned our back on the heavenly father. But I want you to know this morning, no matter where you are, I want you to know that God loves you and that He offers unto you grace and mercy. The second story that Jesus told was the story about a woman who lost a coin. It was a very valuable coin, and it says that she went throughout her house frantically looking for that coin. 
Have you ever lost a coin, lost something that was valuable to you? I remember one time when I was a boy growing up. Well, I wasn't a boy growing up. I guess I was in my early teens. Uh, I was already almost in manhood. I had gone hunting in the woods, as I often did, where we lived at. And my father had given me a knife. It was a knife that he owned as a child. And it was a knife that he had passed on to me. I remember being in the woods and taking that knife out and doing something, sliding it back in my pocket, only to discover when I got home that I had lost it. Have you ever, do you know what I mean? Have you ever lost something that was valuable? I remember how I felt after I lost that knife. I felt dejected. And I desperately went back and I searched everywhere in the woods where I was at that day, but to no avail, I was not able to find that knife. And that hurt me. You know, at times, we all lose things that are very precious. But Jesus Christ told that story about that woman who was frantically searching for what she had lost, that coin. Well, in the first story, Jesus tells the story about a shepherd and his sheep and how one of his sheep got lost. But eventually, the shepherd found it. I want us to look at this story together because I believe it is through this story that God teaches us or Jesus teaches us some very important spiritual truths. I want to share with you three spiritual truths that I see in this story this morning. Let's begin reading in chapter 15, verse 1. Now the tax collectors and the sinners were all drawing near to him, that is to Jesus Christ. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. Now I don't know about you, but I'm happy that Jesus Christ chose to eat with sinners. Because I realize in my own life, I am a great sinner. And there are many times that I fell well short of what God desires for my life. I miss the mark. How many of you have ever shot a rifle or shot a bow? You know, when you shoot a bow, you try to hit a target. Well, that's what it means to sin. To sin means to miss the target of what God desires for our lives. It means at some point in time, every single person has failed to live up to God's moral standard. You know what God's moral standard is? It's the Ten Commandments. Have you ever tried in your own strength and in your own power to live out the Ten Commandments in your life? Man, that's challenging, isn't it? Oh my goodness. You shall have no other gods before me. Honor your mother and father. Man, I can stop right there. I've blown it a number of times. I can tell you I did not always honor my mother and my father. Do not lie. Have you always told the truth about every single thing in life? Do not steal. Have you ever taken something that didn't belong to you? Do not covet. That means to want what your neighbor has. Now, which one of us hadn't looked at that shiny new car that our neighbor is driving and saying, Oh, my goodness, wouldn't I really like to have that car? Isn't that true? Yeah. You see, at some point in time, every person has failed to live up to God's standard. We have missed the mark. But this is the good news. Listen to the good news here. He says, Now the tax collectors and the sinners were all drawing near to him. The man receives sinners, and he eats with them. 
But did you notice what was in between? There was a group of very religious people that grumbled about that. They complained. I have realized in life that religious people are often complainers and grumblers. You know that Jesus didn't call us to religion. You know that, right? You see, people want to make Christianity a religion, but Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is a relationship with Jesus Christ. Somehow or another, we've gotten bogged down in religion. And that's what happened to the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes. Do you realize that the most critical, harshest word that Jesus Christ had uh, uh, for the people of His day and time was for those who were the most religious? the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the scribes. They were placing a burden upon the people that God had not placed upon them. Now Jesus, in that setting, tells his story. Listen to what he says. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. I think it is in this verse of Scripture that Jesus Christ reveals to us this very, the first important spiritual truth, and this is it. Every individual is important to God and loved by Him. Now, think in your mind for a moment. I'm not a sheep herder, and I've been around a few cattle, but who in their right mind would leave their 99 sheep to go and look for the one? To me, that just doesn't make good economic sense. If I've got the herd over here and they're all together and I want to protect them and defend them and take care of them, why in the world would I go off and... You know what I would have said? Well, I'm just going to have to sacrifice that one. Isn't that what you would have said? Now, that would only make sense, right? Why leave the 99 unprotected to go search for the one? But it is in that statement that we see a very important spiritual truth, and this is what it is. Every individual is important to God and loved by Him. Now, some of you may be saying this morning, now, wait, wait just a minute, Pastor. How, can you, how do you know that? How do you know that is true? Well, the Bible tells us it is true. Over and over again in the Bible, we see that truth. As a matter of fact, if you go all the way back to Genesis, the first chapter, in the very opening chapter of the Bible, in the 26th verse, this is what God said, Let us create man in our image and our likeness. Every single person has worth and value in the sight of God because every single person has been created in the image and the likeness of God. Now, don't misunderstand me when I say that. I realize there are some lousy individuals in the world in which we live in who commit horrendous acts of evil against people. But we need to understand something, that in spite of that, every individual has been created in the likeness and the image of God. The problem is that image has been marred by sin. It has been disfigured because of the sin in our lives. You see, the world wants us to believe that every person is intrinsically good. But I will tell you, that is not true. 
We are not good when left up to our own devices. We will choose that which is wrong over right the vast majority of the time in our life. We may not commit the same kind of uh, crimes that some people do. Maybe we don't do the horrendous acts of evil that some people do. But at the end of the day, We sin because we are sinners. In our innermost being, we are depraved. That is the truth of God's Word. But I want you to know when God sees people, He sees individuals who are important and loved by Him. Every single person is loved by God and is important to Him. Perhaps nowhere is this said more clearly than John the third chapter in the 16th verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now if you were to just snatch that word world right out of that verse, you could insert your name. We could say, for God so loved Jeff that he gave his one and only son. For God so loved you, that He gave His one and only Son. Now think about this for a moment. If God is willing to give up His Son for you, you have to be important. You have to be loved by Him. Why else would God ever give up His Son for you? Now you think about it for a moment. I have three children. My son was on the back row up here. I was holding my breath just hoping that he wouldn't do anything that was crazy. And he, he did it. I, I was glad. He made it. All you parents can exhale now. It's okay. You know, they're done. They're not coming back to the stage. But I could tell you right now, you are foolish to believe that I would ever give up my son for any of you. I wouldn't do it. As much as I love you, I would never, ever give up the life of my son for you. But that's exactly what God did for us. You see, if anything this story teaches us, it teaches us every individual is important to God and loved by Him. Now let's go back to this passage again, and let's begin reading here, because I think we're going to see a second truth in this passage as well. This is the second truth we're going to find. God takes the initiative to offer salvation to everyone. Listen to what he says. Go back to verse 3 with me. So he told them this parable, and we're going to read it all this time. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls all together all his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice for me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance." So this is the second spiritual truth that we see in this passage of Scripture. God takes the initiative to offer salvation to everyone. I want you to think about this story for just a moment. Here is this shepherd. He's with his sheep. He recognizes that one of his sheep are gone. Now, I like to think that possibly this sheep may have been a lamb. 
Maybe somehow the lamb had gotten away from his mother. He recognizes it. And he willingly leaves the 99 to go search out the one. That is the background of this story. But I want you to think with me for a moment. Who in this story takes the initiative? Is it the shepherd or is it the lamb? Well, it's the shepherd, isn't it? It's the shepherd who leaves the 99 to go and hunt for the one. Now, the amazing thing about this story is this. The shepherd in this story represents Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is painting a beautiful picture for us in this story of a wonderful spiritual truth. And this is what he is trying to convey to us. Jesus Christ is willing to leave the crowd to search out the one individual to bring them to a saving knowledge of himself. He's willing to do that. Jesus has taken the initiative, or God through Jesus has taken the initiative to offer salvation to every single person. No one is excluded. One of the things I love about the gospel message is this. It is an all-inclusive message. When I say that, it doesn't mean that everyone will come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But this is what I'm saying. Everyone has the opportunity to respond to Jesus Christ. The message is for anyone who is willing to come to Christ in repentant faith. It's for everyone. Now, it doesn't mean that all will come. It doesn't. Listen to what Peter wrote in 1 Peter, the third chapter in the ninth verse. The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. God's desire is that all would respond to Jesus Christ in repentance. His desire is that none would perish. Now, I want you to understand that does not mean there will not be some who perish. There will be some who will reject the message of salvation that is offered to them. What this story teaches us is this. God has taken the initiative to offer us salvation through His Son, Jesus Christ, and anyone can come. It is an all-inclusive message, and at the same time, it is an exclusive message because Jesus said, I am the only way to the Father. There is no other name given under heaven by which men can be saved except for the name of Jesus Christ. Now, you may be saying, well, what do you mean when you say God has taken the initiative. Well, in Romans, the third chapter, it says, There is none that seek after God. It is God who seeks after man. God, in His grace and His mercy, has offered a way by which we could be brought back into right relationship with Him through the sacrifice of His Son, Jesus Christ. Number three, the third truth that Jesus Christ teaches us is this, and this is the one I like. There is no feeling that is worse than being spiritually lost. And at the same time, 
There is no greater joy than being spiritually found. Listen to it again. There is no feeling that is worse than being spiritually lost. And there is no greater joy than being spiritually found. Three times in this passage, Jesus used the word rejoice. He said the shepherd rejoiced when he found the sheep or the lamb. He said the angels in heaven rejoice when one sinner repents, is what he said. Three times he used that word. Let me ask you a question this morning. How many of you have ever been lost? Physically lost, not not spiritually lost, but how many of you have ever been physically lost? Yeah, I think at some point in time, we have all been physically lost, have we not? I know in my life I had. As a matter of fact, there's one that's firmly etched in my memory as a boy growing up. One time my parents took me and my siblings to the state fair, the Texas State Fair here in Bowman at the old the old fairgrounds. I know I'm aging myself some now. But I'll never forget when we showed up. I was just a boy about five years old, and there was a sea of people. And you know when you're five years old, everyone looks like a giant. Even if you're my height to a five-year-old, I look like a giant. And I remember wandering around that place among the sea of people that were there, and we got in line waiting to jump on one of those rides as a boy. And I looked over to the left... And I noticed something in the distance. I noticed a bunch of ponies. How many of you remember that ride they used to have at the State Fair where the ponies would go in the circle and you could put the child on the back and they could ride? Man, I was fascinated by that. So you know what I did? When my parents weren't looking, don't do this, children, I snuck away. I did. And I got over, man, and I tell you what, one of the desires of my heart as a boy is I always wanted to be a cowboy. And I wanted to ride those ponies. And I got over there, and man, I just tell you, I watched those things. I was just fascinated by them. When they'd walk by, I would try to reach out and pet them. Well, it seemed like an hour or two hours went by, and when I looked up, I couldn't find my parents. They were nowhere in sight. And I remember the sense of fear that washed over me. I remember how desperate I was. It seemed as though my situation was hopeless. I can remember sobbing and crying, and all of a sudden I heard this man speak to me. And he said to me, son, what is wrong? And between my sobs, I tried to explain to him what had happened in my life. I had gotten lost, and I had no clue where my parents were. And there was a sense of desperation in me because I did not know as a five-year-old boy if I would ever see them again. It seemed like hours passed, and then I looked up, and standing before me was my father. And I will never, ever forget the sense of joy in my heart when I launched myself into my father's arms, and he embraced me and loved me and said, Son, it's going to be okay. We're here now. It's 
all right. You see, that story is an illustration of what Jesus Christ was speaking about in this story. You see, every person in life is like that little lamb. They are lost. They can't find their way home. They are hopeless. They are desperate if they were to be honest. And you know what? They are searching frantically. Now, sometimes they don't understand what it is they're searching for, but they're searching to find satisfaction, fulfillment in the things of the world. And they think that a relationship with the right person can offer them what they need. Or they think they can find satisfaction and fulfillment in alcohol and drugs. They think if they get the right job and make the right amount of money, then what will happen is I will be happy and I'll be fulfilled only to wake up in the morning and realize they are still just as empty as when they went to sleep the night before. And they are frantically searching. They are helpless, hopeless, and hurting. And just like sheep, they are defenseless in an evil world. But if they would only open their eyes this morning, their spiritual eyes, they would see a Savior standing before them. And if they would only turn to Him in repentant faith, He will surround them with His arms. He will love them and encourage them. And get this, He will lead them home to their heavenly Father. You see, that's the point of the story. Lost, but found. Let me ask you a question this morning. If you were to honestly to evaluate your life today, What would you say about where you are at spiritually? Are you lost this morning? Are you spiritually wandering around in a stupor searching for answers about life? Well, I want you to hear what I'm going to tell you today. It's not hopeless. You can be found today. If you're willing to turn away from a life of sin and turn to Christ in faith, trusting that He died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sin and that He rose from the grave, the Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. The most important word in that verse is this, whoever. It's the reason I said everyone is important to God, and loved by God. Do you want to be spiritually found this morning? You can be. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your love and the way you've spoken to our hearts through your word this morning. Lord, your word is true, is powerful, and is sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, in the next few moments as we gather here,
and sing this song as a time of invitation. Lord, I pray if there are people here today who have never trusted you as their Lord and Savior, I pray that your Holy Spirit would draw them, convict them of their need for Jesus Christ, that only he and he alone can do what's really needed in their life. So, Father, I pray that you would work during this time, that your name would be lifted up, that you would be honored and glorified. We pray this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.